You're listening to the Hopped Up Network. The show you're about to listen to is part of the Hopped Up Network's growing family of craft beer podcasts in the U.S. and Canada. I think it's great. Find this show and others like it at hoppedupnetwork.com, the spot for informative and entertaining craft beer podcasts. I love it. I love you guys. You're listening to the Hopped Up Network. You're listening to the Pints and Provisions podcast with Evan, Mark, Ryan, and Dan. You're listening to the Pints and Provision Podcast with Evan, Mark, and Dan. Oh, I forgot someone. I can't Welcome to the Pints and Provisions podcast. I'm happy to have a couple of guys from a brewery in Wake Forest, North Carolina, which I continue to have to remind people, no, Wake Forest University is not in Wake Forest, North Carolina. That's in Winston-Salem. But what we've got is... Correct. Yeah, what we got is you guys out of Wake Forest, North Carolina, Norse Brewing, Chris and Brad. Um, right now I'm riding solo. What we like to usually do is go around the room first before we get into some formal introductions and just kind of talk about some of the best maybe beers we had recently. It doesn't have to be beer. Could be a bourbon, could be a cocktail, could be something like that. But typically we go with the best beer. So I'm going to start with you, Chris, just because you're up in the corner here on my Zoom to the left. So welcome. And what did you have this week that was really good? <laughs> Well, I mean, considering that we just brewed uh, our first 10 beers, that, that's kind of tough to, uh, to, to, to pick one of those. Um, I, I would say I'm a big stout fan, um, and the weather has been, I don't normally drink it during the summer, uh, but uh, it's been a little gloomy here the last few weeks, rainy and dreary, a couple of warm days here and there. So uh, I've been on a stout kick, so between that four, and uh, Bell's Stout um, that I have in my kegerator at home. Um, that is what I've been indulging in. And of course, that's paired with uh, a uh, Booger's Bourbon or a Basil Hayden. Oh, nice. All right. Brad, how about you? What have you had recently that stuck out, tasted and good? And that's typically how Brad and I get in trouble when we do that together. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's, it's actually muting for some reason. Um, but yeah, so, um, that's how this brewery got started. We'll go into that in a little bit. Uh, lots of beer, lots of bourbon. <laughs> and I appreciate it, Chris. Thank you very much. Um, so, um, I've been drinking, uh, a lot of my own beers cause we have been ramping up for the last couple months. Unfortunately, this virus, uh, kicked us to the curve for a little bit, but it did not stop me from brewing. So I was able to make uh, nine beers and been enjoying all of them. I think I'm doing a fantastic job. And, uh, <laughs> but I'm drinking some friends beers too. Uh, there's some great brewers around here. Uh, the guys at Linwood uh, make Mosaic Pale Ale and Czech Bills and 
they're so good. They're unbelievable. And my buddy Mike at Crank Arm uh, makes a white wall wit, uh, which doesn't have any coriander or anything like that. And they use citra instead. And it's, it's a fantastic drink. It's great. That's what I've been consuming. Nice. Uh, I decided to recently, I've been, you know, I think with being home quite a bit more often, I've been kind of going to more wheelhouse comfort stuff. Um, haven't been trying anything too fancy, too different, but I actually went yeah. with a good old half acre daisy cutter pale ale. Um, I did recently listen to an interview regarding um, the half acre guys and what they've, been doing in, what they've been doing in Chicago. And they've really, really been selling the hell out of daisy cutter. And this was fresh. It was at the local grocery store and, you know, on these, these days we just want something to remind you of how good like a nice pale ale is around here in Illinois. You just go daisy cutter, or go home. You bet. So, well, let's get into a little bit more formal introduction. I know. So I know we've got a mutual friend in uh, an old college buddy of mine. And it sounds like a, uh, at least a monthly drinking friend uh, of your guys's, but uh, thanks to the introduction from Jeff that, we got to talk to you guys tonight. Uh, I was saying that before you guys are out of Wake Forest, North Carolina, not to be confused with the university, which is not in Wake Forest, but you guys are located in Wake Forest. Um, tell us a little bit, I guess, Chris, I'll let you start. Where did you guys get going? Where did you guys get started where it became not just a, gosh, I love to have a good beer. Maybe I like to homebrew. Maybe I like to go to this brew pub too. Now we've got our own. Now we're starting a business. So like we alluded to a little earlier, you know, stout and beer, uh, beer and bourbon goes well together, especially target beers. And that's where the trouble started. And personally, <laughs> my, my wife and myself, uh, we have you know, been talking about, you know, me getting out of the corporate life and, and getting off the road. I travel a lot, uh, work for some big companies in my career, which is all great. And it's been great experience, but, as our kids kind of get out of school, high school, get into college and start being more self-sustaining, it would just be the pups and, uh, and Jenny and myself. So uh, starting something there would be less of a risk. Um, so about what, two, Brad and I have known each other for close to 15 years now, and we, we've done all kinds of uh, uh, weird things together, um, including a, a lot of drinking. And uh, so one night we were sitting and, and Brad uh, at the time where he was had just brewed a brand new uh, bourbon barrel aged um, bitter. Uh, one, one of my, a tavern ale, one of my favorite beers of, of the ones that he has made in the time that I've known him. He brought over a couple of six packs that had just been bottled. We ran out of that. We put some steaks on the grill. Uh, we opened a bottle of bourbon, ran out of that, opened another one. And probably about uh, two o'clock in the morning, um, somebody had that crazy idea of just, why don't we just buy a brewery? And, uh, and Brad will run it. And uh, then at some point in time, uh, it'll hopefully free me up to be able to, you know, be in that and not have to be on the road for, you know, one, a, big a big corporation. So the next morning, uh, my wife and I woke up and... Uh, not too big of a headache. It was actually a pleasant morning. <laughs> and uh, we kind of looked at each other and she goes, did we just agree to buy a brewery? 
And uh, I said, I think so. And she's all like, should we? And we kind of just looked at each other and nodded. And uh, that was kind of how this crazy idea started. Uh, and then Brad and I spent a lot of time looking at existing breweries because uh, once we started asking questions, it turns out that everything is for sale. Um, but it didn't really have the, the, the structure that, that we wanted to do. Brad has always wanted to have like a, a, a retail location, a, a, a place where he can brew for the people that come in and, and create, create an atmosphere around that. Um, so that's how we uh, eventually ended up finally just saying, you know, we're just going to buy a building or build the brewery from scratch. Uh -huh. So we found a very nice building that already had an existing infrastructure from a kitchen perspective here in Wake Forest, downtown Wake Forest, and uh, spend about uh, what, six months converting that into a little less, probably five months converting that into a, uh, a full-blown brew pub. So was that maybe easier to do it on your own because you can then just run with your own ideas rather than some you know, pre-existing purchase something, or did you find that a little harder? I guess maybe you don't know, but what were the biggest uh, well, my worry, my worry going into it was I wanted something with a revenue stream and then hopefully kind of self-fund it along the way. Um, but everything that was that we looked at uh, was overvalued. Uh, the, the, the problem that we found is a lot of these breweries have, you know, been around for a while. They've gotten a lot of infusions of capital from family members and aunts and uncles and all that stuff. And all of a sudden, when you start adding all that up, they obviously wanted everybody to at least be paid back. And in some cases, some make some money off of it. And, um, and, and then we still had to invest a substantial amount of money into it to get it to where we wanted it to go. Because I think we had that, you know, Brad and I had the same idea. We wanted to create something unique, something that where we, we brewed for, for within our own four walls. Um, and, and turning an existing brewery into something like that and getting it off a distribution model and into a retail model would take some investment on top of buying the actual assets. So at, at the end of the day, from a financial perspective, this, this ended up, I would, I would almost with 99% certainty say this ended up being the cheaper path that we took. Gotcha. Now, Brad, you having a lot of experience then, where where was your previous like footprint in terms of brewing experience? Did you start as a home brewer? How how did you get into more on the production and more professional side? I um, I didn't do a lot of home brewing. I did a little bit. Um, I needed a job, and uh, the beer industry was ripping it up in the mid '90s, and I wanted to switch from what I was doing. So I looked at my wife and I said, I think I'm going to start brewing beer. And after a few tears, because <laughs> uh, I'd never done it before, um, we decided to give it a shot. And I went to a, a brewery on the Eastern Shore of Maryland, which I will never forget. I love the job. I love the people there. It was Wild Goose Brewing Company. And um, it was fantastic. I loved it. And uh, I, wish it were, I wish it were still around. Um, but um, they sold out, and uh, with the sale, I kind of uh, had gotten on my feet as a brewer and 
Uh, took another couple of jobs uh, as I moved my way up. And then I was lucky enough to um, start a few breweries. And I learned a lot and I worked on a lot of different equipment. I made a lot of different beers. I worked for some great brewers and brewmasters. And I worked with a couple of English brewmasters and a German brewmaster. And I'll never forget it. It was the best way to learn. It was fantastic. And um, um, then I was able to start my own thing. And um, we, we did a couple iterations. And um, one of the places just didn't work out. And I was lucky enough to be able to call on some friends in Pennsylvania, Victory Brewing Company. They oh, yeah. gave me a place to stay and hang out. And I brewed with uh, Ron and Bill, who are two great people and uh, have a great company. And I know it's morphed a bit since then, but um, it, was, it, was, it was fantastic. And I learned a lot there too. And um, I worked with some great people. They had great brewers there. Our team was as strong a team as I've ever been on. It was pretty insane. Um, so uh, really enjoyed that. We all learned from each other and um, had another couple opportunities. One in Raleigh, North Carolina. That's where I met Chris. And um, Chris and I started talking and I enjoyed what I did. I was proud of what I did, but I didn't like what I was doing. And I didn't like the people I was working with, I'll be honest. My, my partner was different. And uh, Chris and I are very good friends. He, is, uh, he builds businesses uh, in a much larger way than, than we've done. And, uh, but he knows how to run a successful business. And I needed a little bit of structure and I wanted that because I made a lot of money for other people, but I haven't made a lot of money for me. So I thought it was time to change that. And he and his wife, um, found something in our backyard and you know that is so unusual and wonderful and perfect and uh, my commute went from 40 minutes to five minutes and uh, I get to do what I want he's given me opportunity to just go you know do whatever you want buy the best ingredients do you know buy the best hops um, so this is exactly what I wanted what I needed uh, we got off to a fantastic start right before this virus uh, I'm proud of what we have here, and we've got 50 employees that are counting on us, and uh, we got a cool thing going on. It's really cool. So you guys basically started in earnest December 2019, so a shy six months ago. You guys get a rip, kick, and start. Things are looking good. Everybody thought, thought life was good, and then this uncertainty happened. I'm pretty sure... I suspect you were kind of brewing full capacity. Has that changed quite a bit now? Um, let me answer that one. I, I couldn't keep up. We served my beer for two weeks. I had made three beers. Uh, we do seven barrels at a time and they were all kicking um, as we were, you know, open. I had only served my beer, I think for two and a half, maybe three weeks. And we were ripping through that beer. And I looked at Chris, I was like, oh my God, we're never gonna keep up, this is crazy. Um, and I've been at some very successful places and we are doing better at that time than anywhere I've ever been from a retail standpoint. And it, it, was, it was amazing. And we expect to get back to that, you know, as, as soon as we can. Um, the restrictions are a little difficult, but We'll get through that. We just want everybody to be safe and healthy. That's the most important thing. But we get a chance to start over again, and we're really pumped about that. We learned a lot. Um, in three short months, we really learned a lot. 
And in this time, uh, I've been able to keep brewing and fill the tanks. So we come from a much stronger position now. You know, instead of having 20-some barrels, uh, I got 70. Um, so I've got a little platform to, to launch from this time. Yeah, so um, from a Peoria, Illinois perspective, I know, you know, they lock things down right there in mid-March. And, you know, my local favorite brewery immediately, because it was allowed, went to more of a curbside online order, pop in, get your stuff, pop out kind of a style. Has that been something similar that you've experienced in your state? Because I know every state is just so very different in the way that they have, you know, regulated stuff. I, I think the most of the established places, yes, absolutely. People that already had it, they just ratcheted it up, right, and started doing even more of it. And they were able to, to keep running some some part of that business, right? Obviously not the, the inside dining and seating areas, but they could at least um, run um, the, the outside part of it and delivery parts of it. And, and we talked to a lot of the, you know, the local restaurants here and they've been doing okay. Obviously not as good as if they could fill up their, their dining rooms as well, but they've been doing okay. For us, um, three months into it, we were from a, from a kitchen perspective, we were still in learning mode and we were still working on the consistency of how do you deliver the food on the plate within our own four walls, let alone trying to start putting things in a box and delivering it to people. And then when they open it up on that dining room table at home, it looks delicious. Right? Yeah. So it was, we, we made the conscious decision that we were not ready for that. Um, we were afraid that that was going to backfire on us. Um, that uh, when, when, and you, you see that even today when you go and pick up, you know, a lot of places are not, they do it and they do a, a, a decent job at it, but it's not built for it. So when, and this is where I go back to what I do in my day job is how do you, how do you build up processes to sustain different types of product lines within the same production environment? Right? So mm -hmm. for us, we need to, we were not ready to be able to, to design our food menu to both be delivered on a plate into our dining room as well as in a box to a dining table. So we, we made that decision from the get-go that we were not going to do that uh, and, 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 and risk that. We simply weren't ready for it. But I can also guarantee you that coming out of the gate here when we start opening up again over the next, uh, at least the next month, we are going to build up capacity so we can do that. And that's going to be a focus point that we're going to have out of our kitchen. And um, we're going to figure out a way to do it also with our beers in, in a way where we can sustain the same levels, similar levels of activity. Um, should we go through another wave of shutdown as we get towards the end of the year? So what does that look like for the beer side of things? Did you have any sort of <clears throat> accounts anywhere else? I mean, I think the biggest and most successful models tend to be these, the taproom style models, but did you ever consider converting to crawlers, growler fills, curbside things um, when this all hit? So Chris knows how much I hate growlers. <laughs> so we didn't do a lot of that. Um, we were able to um, prepare to reopen. 
we are not canning right now. We would like to eventually. Um, but I needed to get the tanks full, and I didn't want to give the beer away. I want people to come here and sit, sit with us and have a pint uh, or whatever and um, enjoy it with us. So this is about people coming together. Um, I'm much more of a retail person. I like getting people in here. They meet us. We're here a lot. I'm here all the time. My wife works here. Chris's wife, Jenny, uh, is a partner, and she's an integral part of what we do, and her sister, and uh, it's so much more about people coming in here and enjoying the experience than anything else. And plus, the retail's great. I mean, financially, it's fantastic, so I'm not gonna fool around with that. Um, but what we wanna do is get on our feet, get things straight inside these four walls, and then we will eventually distribute. Um, we, we're, we build a, a brewery that uh, we think um, we can, take to multiple locations we have a concept that nobody's seen before it's very different the food the beer the the environment that we provide for our customers um, people have to see it it's really cool so we and we fortunately were able to uh, financially weather this storm we didn't know you know who knew how long it was going to be um two weeks two months my gosh it's been crazy um but um, we're coming out of this um, beat up pretty good, but in a good enough situation that we can make it. We'll get back on our, our, our footing and be able to um, um, to follow the business plan that Chris and I would like to follow. Uh, we're still in position to do that. And, um, you know, it's a testament to being able to run a business. Um, so he's put us in a good position. We're going to come back really strong. Uh, but if you ever get a chance, you ever come out and see Jeff, you got to come see it. It is very different. It's a really cool place. Well, the closest I um, have ever, I used to live in Charlottesville actually for a while. Um, and most of what I know of North Carolina tends to be at least the places I've been to, you know, the Outer Banks uh, and then Asheville. So um, there's a lot of great places in North Carolina. I would love to to be there more often and God willing, and I can travel. Uh, I, I need to go on a very long and uh, wandering brewery sort of vacation by by the road. <laughs> Don't we? <laughs> all? But you'll you'll probably have some very thirsty people there uh, in your in your community. I'm sure that'll be ready to to sip and sample everything you got. What does it look like when you open? Like, what kind of you know menu and palette do you guys have to present to people once they're they're coming back in? We've um, we decided to streamline things, so we opened up with a streamlined menu, and it worked for us. Um, we learned that the kitchen is a beast that needs to be tamed, so we hired some new people to help us with that. So we literally have a really good team in place now, um, and we started with a good team, but it, it's amazing how difficult that part is, and we just we don't know that. Um, I've heard that so but, many so times from people. And yeah. It's it's tough, um, but you know what? This is a horrible situation. But if you look at the the bright side, if there is one, we get a redo. And in the redo, we hired some really competent. I'm more than competent. That's not the proper word, but we hired some really good kitchen people, and we are super confident. So we do a menu with a Norse twist on it. Mm -hmm. um, Chris grew up in Denmark and um, 
we wanted to incorporate that. I think it's super important that you bring family into whatever you do, especially brewing and restaurants and things like that. Uh, if, if you don't do that, why do it? Uh, I, I can't stand the corporate crap. So um, we're all about bringing family into this. And um, I love the whole Denmark and, and, and Norway brewing food, everything. Um, Sweden, I love all that. So we're able to bring some of that too into some, you know, kind of a Southern situation in North Carolina. And I just think it's very impactful. It's really cool. Um, our food is, it was already outstanding and it's only going to get better. Um, and we're going to bring that to the beer too. I'm going to make some Danish lagers, some strong lagers. I'm going to make some Norwegian ales. And uh, um, right now we're doing kind of standard bears just to get started. But as soon as we get on our feet again, we get to play and, and get a little bit more uh, adventurous with what we're doing. So it's been, it's been cool. Well, I, that sounds awesome. Our local place here, they do some, one of his favorite things that he's started off on was doing like a Vossel. Uh, he loves these like spiced and uh, not necessarily foraged, although he, he does a pretty good job of kind of foraging some interesting ingredients like juniper and sage rosemary and, and you know, stuff yeah. that's kind of locally available, but it sounds very kind of on mark with uh, what you guys have tried to do. Um. So what, what is, what is like the project? Do you guys know a projected timeline where you get to come and open up and do all that? So on, uh, on, on Friday or today, actually we were given the guidelines for what North Carolina calls phase two. Uh-huh. And that is uh, restaurants, uh, barbershops and some other retail locations can open up on Friday at 5 PM. So <clears throat> we've been gearing up for that. We kind of heard the rumblings that that was going to happen. Um, so we today we had, uh, and then the remarkable thing is, you know, just as 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 much as Brad just talked us up as to to what we're trying to create uh, from for our guests, um, we wanted to do the same thing for all our employees. Right? This is we we're we're in a Norse family. If if you read our credo, and we're all about everybody coming together and the, the differences all of a sudden becomes our strength, right? And that's what happens once you step in here. So it, it's more than just a place to come. It, it, it's, it's an experience. And that's what we are trying to create. And that goes beyond our food, our beer, our drinks. We have a full, full liquor bar and we got wines. But it also goes into our <clears throat> employees. And, and everybody has said, we're coming back. Um, I think there's like... A couple of people we've lost that have fallen off along the way. They've found other jobs in this situation that we've all gone through. So, you know, we, we wish them the best and, and, and we're grateful that they found something else. Everybody else is coming back. So we had meetings today with all the staff in the various different functions, um, service, bar, kitchen, and everybody is preparing for gearing up and, and opening up on, on Friday. We will have, uh, obviously, COVID precautions. Uh, follow all the guidelines that comes out from uh, the Health and Human Services and the CDC. Um, have the signage up and, and make sure the tables are spaced and whatnot. Uh, and then uh, we are, on Friday morning, we're getting a, a huge tent. We got our own parking lot in the back, so we, we have a lot of land outside. We're putting up a tent. 
the weather in North Carolina these uh, this time of year is uh, not uh, very stable. So one day it'll mm-hmm. rain and maybe rain a lot. Another day we'll have some you know decent weather, and then we'll have another like a ninety some odd degree day, and then back to rain. All right, it kind of fluctuates this time of year. So we're putting up a a tent so that we at least can can have people sit outside. We'll make it mm-hmm. be like a beer garden atmosphere with you know some string lights and fans and and it'll be comfortable and so so we expect that we we can have a capacity as we did uh, when we were fully open by spreading it out across uh, a a larger square foot area because we are limited to a 50 percent capacity Mm -hmm. uh, inside and then COVID guidelines obviously both inside and outside so the spacing and everything just spreads everything out but we, we, we feel pretty good about it. Um, uh, we, we've gotten a, a lot of positive feedback uh, through social media as to you know, people wanting to come back and experience our new beers that Brad has been spending the last couple of months brewing uh, and, and the menu that we have started to revamp and, and kind of streamlined as, as Brad alluded to. So I, I think we're off to, to, to a good start. Obviously it's gonna be tough. You gotta keep people apart. Um, people have been cooped up in their homes for so long and now all of a sudden they get to go out into their favorite drinking places, eating places and, and just hang out spots and how do you that home away people. So we, we've been very clear from the get go of all this. When we open back up, this is about keeping um, everybody safe, especially our staff. Mm-hmm. So, so we have built the guidelines around that. And if we can keep our staff safe, then our, our, our guests will be safe as well. Yeah, I think people are going to be clamoring to get out and uh, um, hit up their favorite places. I know that around here, May 29th has been tagged as sort of a restaurants and bars and kind of open with, you know, some limited capacity outdoors. And my wife already asked me, so you need to get, do we need to get a babysitter for the 29th? And, you know, it's, everyone needs, everyone needs a break. And at least for me, it's always, where can I go get a beer? Where can I go be with people I want to be with? I guess now to a slightly limited capacity, but that's kind of where we want to be. I personally, I don't know much about the community of Wake Forest. What is it like in terms of a beer community? What are the drinkers like? What are... You know, what's the town downtown scene like? What are your brewer, local brewery friends like in terms of the community there? there there's not a lot here. Um, this is a small town. That's changing quickly, though. Um, there's uh, people moving in like gangbusters. It's pretty unbelievable. There's another brewery here, White Street Brewing Company. They're good people. Um, they have a really different model than we have, though. Um, they're brewery only and kind of a tap room place and and there's a good place for that but um as far as anything else goes there's you know literally a couple bars nobody really focuses on beer around here um except for our consumers so um that (laughs) we're taking care of that right now we saw though i will say as as well as we did there's obviously room we know that we're gonna have competition it won't be long uh, but there's so many people coming in here, and I, I tell these guys all the time, we haven't met 95% of our customers yet, so 
uh, they're going to walk through these doors. And uh, we at three months, it was insane. So um, we're looking for more of that. And uh, we're going to turn downtown with some other friends, some cool bars downtown right now. There's a couple of really nice restaurants down here. Um, and with some, um, some of the people that, some of our partners around here, um, we're going to turn Wake Forest into a great downtown. So it is a beautiful place. We live in a really a beautiful place. And the growth has been exponential. Um, a lot of people, to be honest, a lot of money are moving into this area. So um, the, we're going we're gonna to see a lot of competition, but we welcome that. Competition brings more customers downtown. Um, we're, we're excited about where we're at. This, this situation is just so strange and so weird, but you know, it's a bump in the road, uh, literally just a bump in the road. And I feel bad for you know, some of the families and, and people that have been hurt. And, and it's a, you know, it's a tough situation, but um, we're getting through this pretty strong. And um, we're in a, an area that um, is definitely, I think going to do very well coming out of this. And uh, we're, we're excited about getting started. Chris, what about you? What do you think about the, um, how can you change the, you know, maybe not necessarily change the perception, but, you know, excite the perception of people regarding beer. And I agree, like having competition is a wonderful thing because that just means brings more drinkers down. They want to go here. They want to try that there. You want to try this there. Um, do you guys, you know, we are you going to partner with restaurants and bars and maybe bring some kegs to certain places or is it going to be something like everybody works together you offer this we are for that and so we've already started talking to some of the local uh, other establishments that are here about can we do some some collaborations we got a a great little ice cream place just down the street from us um we they, they'll get some of our stout we'll make some stout ice cream with them uh we'll get uh, some uh, some chocolate or vanilla ice cream we can make some floaties up here <laughs> um, so, so it, meaning we, we already going to do that. We talked to the local wine bar, you know, could we do like a, a wine age type of beer when we, and so, so there's a lot of enthusiasm about it. I think when, when we first found this place, we walked into it, my wife looked around, we had literally been here like less than a minute. She looks me straight in the eye and she goes, if you lose this one, you are going to be in trouble. So, um, I mean, this, this was the place for us. And, and when we started talking to the town about, you know, seeing all the growth plans, and we've lived here 15 years, so we, we've seen it change significantly over those 15 years. And just seeing what they're planning and what they would like to do over the next 15 years was just so exciting. So for us, this is not about competition. It's about how do we collaboratively and collectively, how do we keep people here? And, and have a good time, right? So somebody, a yeah. family should be able to come in here. A couple should be able to come out on date night, get into town around, you know, 5, 5.30 at night and hang around until 2 o'clock in the morning and then get an Uber home. And not, not it used to be we had to go to, down, or to, to downtown Raleigh uh, in our area to have a good time on a Friday and a Saturday, right? But because everything up here closed at 9 o'clock. There was some good food and you would do that. But then if you wanted to go out to a drinking establishment, you had to go down to, to Raleigh. And, and that is changing. And we're part of that. And we believe that we can help keep 
keep the people in the town because we're creating that yeah. atmosphere, right? And and we we want to and, and as Brad said, this is this is about an experience. So we don't see anybody else comes in. Obviously, they're going to have have to have a different business model because you don't go in and 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 just do exactly the same as everybody else is doing. That's not necessarily going to be successful. So so our model is to create this brand that will attract people because of our beers. But when they come in and they're here and they see the atmosphere, then they're going to want to come back, right? And, yeah. and our plan is to to expand that to multiple locations over the years. And be able to to cross sell between each location. So we'll brew beer here, and and the system that we got is big enough. Once it's running at full capacity, to support multiple locations, and then um, the next location we'll have a cidery and a craft soda place, right? <laughs> but the same concept. It'll be a brew pub. So we'll have a restaurant. We'll have you know bar and everything and nice outside area. So people can come in and get the same experience. And when they walk through those doors, we want them to look around and kind of say, oh, man, I'm at Norse, right? This is where I want to be. This is like my second home. The third location will be another brew pub the same way, but now we'll have a still. So whatever is on the, on the house rail of the bar is, is going to be our own liquor, mm -hmm. right? So, so that's what we want to do. And then uh, as, as you look around in, in the Raleigh area and you look at, at other uh, towns like Wake Forest that are, have the same kind of growth trajectory. There, there are plenty of those around, and we we put our kind of flagship uh, brew pubs in those locations, and and we help grow those communities along with the town and the other establishments that are already there. And the same concept we just talked about here in Wake Forest. Then in between, you start sprinkling it with uh, tap rooms, right? Just like and and you said, you know, we're going to start selling outside. Yeah, we will start selling. Uh, um, kegs to like about you know five ten miles from here we'll some of the bottle shops because when you think about kind of the, the demographics around a, a brewery people that live within five miles are going to come maybe once or twice a week people within five to ten miles are going to come once or twice every two weeks beyond that they're going to be coming in you know once in a while yeah. but it can then extend that range out because you're now putting a keg or two in a bottle shop in the 10 mile radius, then at that limit, and now you can extend another couple of miles out, right? And then get traction there. So people go, oh, that was a North Spear. That was great. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's where it's up in Wake Forest. Oh, I'm gonna come up there. I'm gonna spend my, my Saturday afternoon. I'm gonna bring my dog. I'm gonna bring my kids. They're gonna run around the parking lot. You know, it, they're gonna you know, sit on the back deck. They're gonna have a great time, some good food, games for the kids. and. That's the atmosphere that we're creating and then spreading that out um, over and, and doing that over the next, you know, handful of years, maybe a little longer, depending on how the economy goes. Um, right. And then if, if somebody comes and says, hey, you know what? We love Norse beer. We want to give you a multi-year contract for distribution or for, for selling into our retail locations, whatever that may be, you know, we'll consider, you know, building an actual production facility uh, but I think this this is this is going to be our bread and butter this is what we care about this is this is our passion yeah it all starts with the heart and you kind of move out from there and yeah I think that creating a space creating community is I think what 
drinkers want to see now. I think that, I think in the past, you know, beer, especially craft beer has kind of been maybe something that has seen, has been seen as just like something that only some people like, it's not for everybody, but once you start bringing in families and communities and making it, making everybody a part of it, it just becomes much more exciting than it's just, okay, the craft beer that just came out and there's not really much of a tap room and some places start like that they start with a place that's no bigger than a closet they get going and then they go from there but you know i guess with a community like yours you see an opportunity like that and you know people really get excited about it it sounds like well we 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 got a really big closet here (laughs) that's where we started out it's right behind brad you can see it there in the shadows but I mean, so as I alluded to, I, I travel a lot in my, in my you know, regular job. I spend a lot of time in Asia, a lot of time in Europe. Um, and, and before, when Brad and I just hung out as friends and we started going down this road, I was really good at drinking the beer. And my <laughs> untapped account is proof of that. Um, so, uh, but when we started really looking into it and, and started getting serious about it, I don't, I, I try not to do anything half-assed. Um, so I started really pulling some knowledge and data and, and, and information together. And I think that the craft industry here, first of all, is by far above and beyond anything else in the world. Uh, many other places try to do it. I always get in arguments with the Germans. <laughs> Um, I say, you don't, you don't, you only have three beers. They're like, what are you talking about? We got like thousands of beers. We got all these different breweries. I said, yeah, but you only brew a wit, a Hefeweizen, a Pilsner, and sometimes an Oktoberfest if you're big enough. That's max four beers. That's all you brew. Maybe a Dunkel. So five, I'll give you five (laughs) beers. Right. And, and, and they start yelling at me for that. But what they have done is they have created the community. You go to a beer garden, and these beer gardens are all over the place. And the breweries are small, right? But they produce really good stuff. And people come there because their parents went there. Mm-hmm. They come there because all their friends are there. And the reason why a beer garden has these big lawns is because in the olden days, they didn't have refrigeration systems. So if you go below the ground, you have all these tunnels where they keep all of their wood barrels, where they have their, where they're holding their beers and they're keeping them cold and they're bringing it up from below the ground. So you can't build anything above it. So they got these big gathering areas where kids are now playing, playing soccer, playing frisbee, dogs are running around, parents are sitting at picnic benches, drinking beer and eating uh, Hundeskugel and uh, pork knuckles, right? <laughs> that's, that's what I think this industry lost here in the, in the U.S. It started out really being a place where you would gather, but then everybody wanted to be big and they wanted to make a lot of money off of it. And I think it went in the wrong direction. And Brad will, you know, you, you get him down the, the road of the big guys and how they, they started, you know, kind of buying up all of the smaller guys and taking also the distribution aspect of it. If you want to be successful in this, You've got to go back to the old model, which is the retail, which is creating this, this family, this passion, this, this, this heart. When, when people walk in, they go, they kind of go, ah, I'm home, right? Just take a load off on stress, 
They know they can come in here. It doesn't matter who the heck they are. They're always welcome. And that's what the, the beer gardens in Germany has brought, right? And that's what I think when I first started drinking a lot of craft beer, I felt that in a lot of these smaller breweries when you were walked into their garage or their closet almost, like you said, right? Mm-hmm. You felt that passion. But everybody wanted to get rich quick. And and, oh, and no doubt. passion got lost. I think there's there's been a big shift in going back to the the smaller model because you know, all those kind of mid-size breweries that were getting eaten up by a bigger fish just sort of got lost in the mix. And you can see this when you go to a bottle shop, your local grocery store, that stuff that's kind of that mid-range, except for maybe, you know, like in Chicago, you know, Half Acre, Revolution Brewing, they're still going to get a lot of cred because they were the little guys. They haven't got too big for their britches, but then like Lagunitas comes into Chicago and I, their stuff just gets lost in the mix because people either have allegiance to the comfort stuff. Maybe they like a Bud Light or a Miller Light, fine. But that middle tier just sort of gets lost in the mix because then they go down to the stuff that kind of is their local neighborhood place. And then they love that. But everything else in the middle sometimes gets lost. And I think there is a shift back towards smaller. I spent a lot of my... Um, time in the middle ground. Uh, we talked, um, I, I sold a lot of beer around here and, and in North Carolina in general. And uh, we were a strong player in all the supermarkets and the largest cities. And when InBev started their, their crackdown on uh, competition, I thought they were too late to the game and they would never make any inroads. And then when I saw them, <laughs> Slotting people a billion bucks for their brewery, I was like, "Uh-oh, that could be trouble." And now, when you walk down the uh, grocery aisle, grocery aisle, you see what they did. They they changed the market, and it's not a good thing. They're they're telling you what you can buy and what you can't buy. They do it at you know larger cities, and they do it at bars and restaurants, and and the uh, corporate guys have to play their game. And that's why we started this. We we were like, you know what? Like Chris just alluded to, let's get back to what this is about. This is about community brews. This is about getting people together. We know the people we hire. We're hiring our friends' kids. Um, it's just, it's such a a load off from what I'm used to at much larger breweries. And um, I think people feel that. And, and, and this is a getting back to basics. And that's the beautiful thing about being able to open a restaurant and a, and a you know, a, a brewery first, a bar and a restaurant, um, you bring just such a diverse crowd in and you see who's drinking your beer and, and, and it's, it's a wonderful thing. And they can go to the supermarket and, and buy whatever. I don't care what they buy, to be honest, but they come here and have a pint with us. It's completely different. It really is how breweries should be for me. I think that a lot of people get hung up in, you know, is my IPA better than that guy's IPA or that girl's paleo or whatever? Um, I think it gets, what gets lost is what's the experience you get at the location you go to? So if you come to Norse, it's so important for us that people feel that and just enjoy themselves and, and get to kick back a little bit. And, you know, we did not style this like any other brew pub you've ever seen. Um, 
there was a lot of thought involved into there's no model um, to follow but our own. And, and I think, uh, I, I really think people see that. And I think eventually too, as we do grow and we grow our, our brand, whether that's through, you know, we're not just going to be a beer company, we're going to be a beverage company. So uh, through, through our brand, our beer brand and other brands that we, that we come up with, I think people need to feel that, you know, what's important to you is it, is it selling out for a billion bucks? You know, there, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a great way to go a way to make some money. I have no problem with that. That's not why we built this. We definitely built this uh, to kind of bring back what the feeling I feel should be in a brewery and a, and a brew pub especially. Yeah, it seems like a very personal journey for you guys, a personal buildup, a personal, you know, a lot of, a lot of personal collateral and uh, uh, um, um, currency that, that's going into this. It is. Yep. Well, you, we can't ever let anybody get off of this before they let us know, you know, one, what their best four pack is that they would construct. And I always say that it doesn't have to be a specific, you know, beer per se. It could be like four specific styles. If you've got like four specific beers, you could never live without. Um, that's what we're kind of going for. And it gives us uh, just something fun to kind of construct. So whoever wants to volunteer to go first. I will take that torch. Uh, <laughs> I love beer. Um, I'm a lager guy, so I'm going to take a Pilsner. I may take a Hellas as, as well. I love both those styles so much. Um, I'm going to take some funky, weird Belgian ale and something I've never had before, and I can't wait to try it. Hopefully tomorrow somebody will bring me something I've never had that I've never tried and gives me inspiration. Um, and I really like IPAs. Uh, if I if I'm gonna build a four pack, um, that's my four pack. And I, I'm 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 a I'm a lager guy, but um, I love I love all beer, and I love how far this um, beer industry's come in the U.S. Uh, like I said, I learned from German brewers. I learned from English brewers. They were kind of laughing at us when in the mid '90s about you know what we were doing and i think we took over the world literally <laughs> as far as beer and we revived styles that they weren't making in germany very strong or belgium and and we we, we got them going again and i love all that so my four pack's pretty easy yeah the uh the the pilsner hellas just that's just a brewer's pick beer that's a brewer's beer because i love them yeah you can't you can't make it through too many weeks and months of brewing on end without having something that's so crushable and so light. And it just reminds you of just beer. There's no, that's it. there's, there's just no frills about those. All right, Chris, fire away. All right. So I'm obviously not as uh, sophisticated as uh, Brad there, but uh, uh, I, I got a little more specific. So a couple of things that I, that I, I miss from home. Uh, I do love myself a, a good Tuborg Christmas beer. Um, they make a good uh, Juleborg Christmas uh, brew. Uh, I, I think Brad has had a couple of those at my house. I've snuck him home through customs once in a while uh, as I've been out traveling, but that, that, that would definitely go into my, uh, my four-pack. As I said, I'm a stout guy. I do mm -hmm. like a, a Southern Tier makes a creme brulee. Uh, oh, yeah. The fact that once you pop that bottle open, I, I know it, it 
it's a it's a large bottle, so it's maybe <laughs> not fitting my full pack, but I'm gonna put it in there anyway. Once you pop that that bottle open, you just smell the creme brulee. I I love the sweetness of it. I love the the thickness of it uh, and just the flavor. It comes from the time you open it and you smell it all the way through you drinking it and actually you know settling in your stomach. Um, I, I I've never thought I would be a sour guy. It took me a while to become an IPA guy, um, but I, I, I went all the way through the sours. And, and uh, Brad, actually, one of the beers that we started out with here, we, we set out to say, okay, we're going to have some of Brad's favorites. And then we're going to have beers from our friends that helped us do collaborations when we first started up. So one of, the, one of his favorites that he brought in was uh, Sour Monkey from Victory. And mm-hmm. I, I, I love that. That's a, that's a great beer. Uh, it's uh, it's it's not too sour, so you can only have one. You can sit and have several of those, and uh, you will feel very good when you're done with that. Um, I love that beer. And then, uh, uh, as we talked about, you know, you know, Hellas and Pilsners. Uh, one I, I I really one of my favorite ones of those is the Evil Twin, which is um, yeah. uh, bread yeast and Hellas. Um, Evil Twin. Uh, I've followed them for years. Uh, again, it's a uh, it's, it's a Danish guy that started it. Um, uh, his brother started up Migla Brewing. Uh, his twin brother started up Migla Brewing. Um, I've been following both of them since I started becoming a bureauholic. <laughs> and um, uh, I, that, that's, that's just, I love that beer. Um, and they don't, they come up with the recipes. They're a gypsy brewer. They brew all over the place. Yeah. Um, but uh, they come up with some, some, some weird stuff. And uh, if if I see something I haven't had uh, in a can, I will I will go buy it immediately. But that's that will be my full pack. Nice. Yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot that uh, the those guys won't put into a beer. I think that I know they've, they've tried anything and everything and nothing and some of it and more of it and yeah. Um, but that was, that's what makes it cool, though, right? It, 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 because you never know what to expect, and once you get it, it's good. Yeah, you you might as well try everything because you'll finally hit the note somewhere. You know, part of success is having a few failures, and if you're a brewer who hasn't experienced that, then you probably haven't brewed enough. So um, that's why I like the Omnipolo too. They're gypsy and <laughs> yeah. they do the funkiest stuff, and some of it I look at, I'm like. I'm not sure I'm gonna like that, but some of their beers are so good too. So it's pretty cool. I love that stuff. Yeah, gotta go for it. Yeah, I've had a, I've had a lot more time with this with my job to be brewing at home. So I've been uh, hitting the the homebrew at home now. I've got basically two on tap now for for a while, and that's been a good thing. Although maybe not a good thing, but it's been a very good thing for my own personal. <laughs> it's good to drink your own. It's uh, it's a lot of fun and. Um, We'll we'll all make it through. We'll all get to get back to tap rooms, especially I'm sure that the community drinkers that you guys count upon, rely upon, um, and really like to see, want to see, they'll be back. Um, they'll be out to support the places that they love, just like we're doing the same here. We're we're itching to get back and support the local people that we we like to see succeed and we want to see succeed. Well, boys, I really want to thank you for spending at least 45, 50 minutes of your time on a, I'm sure, busy time for your brewery and your brand. So 
Uh, I appreciate Jeff giving us the introduction, but Chris and Brad, thanks so much for joining us and sharing some of your words. Oh, thank you. Absolutely, our pleasure, Evan, thank you, man. All right, gentlemen. Well, cheers. Cheers to beer and cheers to Norris again.